When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Welcome everyone, Brett Phillips with you again for another week covering uh, the world of tennis and the invitation is uh, always there to jump on with me. one 736 736 that is the number to call if you want to join in the tennis conversation tonight. You can put anything you like on the tennis agenda, you call, we'll put you on around our guests to come tonight. The Tennis Direct text 0433981116. Tennis Direct is Australia's favourite online tennis store. Fast delivery, great prices, free delivery on orders over $150. You're going to log on while you listen tonight. Tennisdirect.com.au. Use that promo code FIRSTSERVE10, FIRSTSERVE10. Get that nice uh, 10% discount. On the B Solar menu tonight, your calls. Leading tennis writer Courtney Walsh, uh, Broad Dyke over in Adelaide to join us. Uh, plenty of tennis news around with the Australian summer of tennis and the uncertainty what is going to be the final call on how it all looks. You can weigh in 1300 736 736 or text 0433 98 11 16. Our tour wrap, we'll do that a little later in the show thanks to Yonex celebrating 75 years performance product crafted in Japan. Check out their latest range at yonex.com. That'll come up a little bit later on in the show. Going to go with something very, very soon. But Charlie and Turek is going to get us off to a really, really good start because he has dialed the number. Charlie, you want to talk a bit of tennis? Welcome to the show. Tonight, he's about to jump on the phone with us. And uh, we're going right off, the, uh, right off the bat. I've gone really early. G'day, Charlie. Welcome to the show. Hey, how are you going? Good, thank you John Millman I grew up with. I'm just wondering, we're a bit disappointed in the Millman camp when he's going to actually be saying people don't under, understand his philosophy of being the quiet achiever from Australia. And we're just all disappointed that he, we'd like him to produce a bit more. He's going all right, but he's on the, he's on the dance floor, eh? Well, he's 75 in the world, Charlie, right now. He's, uh, we had him on the show, what, about a month ago? He's been on the road since January when he left Brisbane, came down to do the quarantining in Melbourne. So it's been a big year for John, like so many of the Australian players. They just haven't been able to get back. And with his rankings sort of plummeting a little bit, he's staying on the road, obviously, to try and uh, keep that ranking at a really respectable level. Obviously, dipping down to 75 is not ideal. There's also the Davis Cup to come as we know, in, in December or in, was that late November? I think early first week of December. So he's going to be on the road more than uh, any other Australian player uh, this year, uh, John Millman. And I think if you, if you look at it, you know, 33 years of age, he's got a lot out of his career. You know, for a guy that is never going to totally dominate you and blow you off the court, but he is a tremendous competitor, no doubt about that. And I think... 
you know, in this really competitive sport of tennis where it is really, really tough to make it and the margins are really, really small, I mean, he's built a pretty respectable career for a guy who's come through the futures, as they were called, the challenges to the ATP Tour. He'd write a great book uh, one day, John. He's a great character. And to get to 33 in the world, I reckon has been a tremendous effort. He's also got some great skill and X Factor. I need to make sure I say that, and I've said it many times before, so it's not all just, um, you know, um, just, you know, a journeyman-style player. And that's just the, the terminology you don't use with uh, John Millman uh, at all. I mean, he's a very, very good tennis player, but there are just so many who can, you know, just get that upper edge in matches. But he lost to, what, Hutchinov? At the Kremlin Cup, and by the smallest of margins, and we know where Karin Hutchinov has been certainly in the rankings. Before I get to Courtney Walsh, I debated where to start the show tonight. Charlie's got us off to a nice start, but I'm going to go with this just to give you a little bit of time to digest it. I received this into the first serve mailbag, and you can always uh, send us some longer form correspondence. The first serve sen at gmail.com. I'll just put this out there for you. You give me your take. I don't like to start on a negative, but the first serve is for all stakeholders discussing all issues. Riddle me this. A tennis coaching organisation has 10 coaches and advertises its team are fully qualified insured TA coaches. What's the minimum number of that coaching team that have completed a coaching course? A, 10, B, 8, C, 5, D, 1. Now, replace tennis with golf and TA with PGA Australia. A, 10, B, 8, C, 5, D, 1. Now, use the sport of swimming and then Swimming Australia. A, 10, B, 8, C, 5, D, 1. OK, so there is now a growing percentage of coaches in Australia teaching tennis with zero training. This was sent in to me during the week. We wouldn't accept that in swimming as a child might drown. Is it acceptable in tennis? What about if it's the coach who is looking after your child and you are paying $100 an hour? Okay, so let's say we agree a coach should be qualified and actually passed a course, not just attended. Should they be at least competent in that sport or is it that not important? In golf, there is a minimum handicap required to do a coaching course and then years as a trainee under direct supervision. In swimming... You have to demonstrate every stroke competently, swim 400 metres under a certain time, then do 20 hours minimum shadowing a coach, not tennis. A trainee coach with no playing experience who has never attended a course can be charged out at whatever the market will pay, upwards of $120 an hour in Melbourne. Hmm. How are we travelling in the junior world rankings? No girls in the top 100, two boys. In my honest opinion, if we don't have qualified tennis coaches teaching sound fundamentals, our sport is destined to continue failing. Hats off to Ash Barty's coaches, both formative and current, who were tennis players and then trained as coaches. Hats off to the rest of you coaches in the same boat. Shame on our sport for allowing the standards to drop to an all-time low. Hashtag bring back the standards. Now, that was sent to me uh, during the week. I also had another conversation uh, with a, a person today around this. Now, we know there's been a coaching review that's been going on, I think, for the last four or five months, which I'm told has stalled a little bit. 
but I think TA are about to appoint a, or they're advertising for a coaching director. In reference to when I put that uh, particular uh, message to me, to someone else today, they said that tennis has become a little too recreational, a little too sort of business-like, running these big businesses where there's participants, but maybe not a big enough focus on really transitioning to competition and really that higher level. Not as many people playing at that higher level, more participation. Maybe there's the need for more professional development uh, in terms of uh, the coaches. A lot of clubs going down the synthetic grass track, which is not great for the development of players. If you want to weigh in, one 736 736 or 433 I'm going to welcome in uh, Courtney Walsh. She's locked and loaded tonight, all thanks to Wilson Sporting Goods, who are on board with us here on the first serve, whose vision is for a better world through sporting. And head over to au.wilson.com to access all Wilson products to get back out on court. First serve listeners, uh, get that nice little discount, 15% first serve 15. Wilson, creating products for you to live like an athlete. Leading tennis rider in this country, spreading his wings globally, and also part of our team at thefirstserve.com.au and right here on the radio with us. Uh, Walshie, welcome. Great to have you on board. Absolute pleasure to be here, uh, Brett, and uh, what's going on in the world of tennis at the moment, as you're well aware of. There is certainly a lot going on. Uh, feel free to give us a call right throughout uh, this hour while we're talking to Walshie here. We'll go to John on the road in just a second. one three hundred seven three six seven three six, or on the text 433 been an interesting day, Walshy. It's made a bit of news, this leaked email which uh, surfaced uh, today from the WTA to its uh, playing group. And uh, we've seen plenty come out today. Martin Bakula, we've seen Martin Foley, we've seen others say nothing is a fait accompli right now. Nothing is absolutely settled in terms of unvaccinated tennis players coming to this country. Are you surprised, Walshy, the WTA put this out this early? Look, not necessarily. If we, if we, if we go back a week or so ago when, uh, I suppose, the Federal Ministers, Greg Hunt and uh, Alex Hawke and Victorian Premier Dan Andrews last Tuesday or Wednesday said it was, uh, you know, if you, didn't, if you weren't vaccinated, you wouldn't be allowed entry into the country and therefore Jack Djokovic, which is understandable, given he's a nine-time Australian Open champion and it came just a couple of days after he opted against divulging his vaccination status um, so he was at the centre of the storm. If, if the, you know, if the three-time defending champion's not on the way to Melbourne, what does that mean for the tournament, etc.? But at, in that same interview, Djokovic made it clear that he was expecting more information by the end of October. Now, quite a storm last week. I think people were surmising that Djokovic is not vaccinated. We sh- we don't know that for a fact. It's very important to state that we don't know for a fact that he's not vaccinated. It's possible that he could be, and that he's. He's got a broader role as the uh, the head of the PTPA, so speaking on behalf of other players, just as he did last February in uh, in Melbourne when uh, the list of demands or, or, or the requests that he put was on behalf of, uh, of a broader cohort of players, not himself. He was in Adelaide at the time. So, no, not necessarily. The WTA need to get the information out to players. They need to know what's going on. You know, we're a month out or so from the entries to... If the summer goes ahead as normal, you know, the entries to those events will effectively be, you know, closing sort of late November, the Aussie Open, early December. So, you know, things need to move fairly rapidly in the next few weeks. Now, 
if you have to get vaccinated to come to Australia, you'd want to be making sure you're doing that very early next month and then having your second shot. But there seems uh, to be, so no, Walshie, think... there seems to be some mixed messaging, though. I mean, on, you know what I mean? Like, well, obviously, we've got... We've got the, uh, the state government and the federal government um, who have been coming out, and whether it's uh, uh, political posturing, I don't know, but they've come out and said, no, well, it's very highly unlikely that um, you know, unvaccinated athletes are going to be coming into the country. We know it, sort of, it, it rests firstly with the federal government and then the state government will come into play with what happens um, you know, certainly in Victoria and what people uh, can and can't do. But for that statement today to say that unvaccinated players will be allowed to play in Australia goes against what the government has said, the two governments. Yes, to an extent. It certainly, it certainly goes against what they said last week. We were also very mindful last week. Tennis Australia on the Wednesday in a statement late in the day said, we're still discussing this with the tours. We're still discussing this with the federal government. They, they were confident that it wasn't yet off the table that this was certainly an ongoing discussion. And I think even today, that's a, it's considered an ongoing discussion. Yes, it's at odds with what's been said, mm. no doubt, last week. But perhaps those things like those things weren't set in stone despite being said. Now, you, you do think that the view of a federal minister, a federal government minister, is the view of the federal government at large. But the policy is not set in stone. And if we're welcoming in... Well, not welcoming in, but if we, there will be unvaccinated Australians, Australians returning to Australia and going through the yep. strict quarantine, the 14 days. Mm. Uh, so, that, and, and I'm sure that will be the case uh, you know, for Australians who are coming back not, not vaccinated. Now, I suppose it's the next step to say for tourists, if you're not vaccinated, you're not allowed in. If that's the case, it should certainly be the same for the tennis players. If you're not vaccinated, you're not allowed in. But if that's not the case and the people have to go and do two weeks of strict quarantine, I'm not so sure you can say there's a difference. So how, how do you think, just in surmising, and we'll push on to some tennis, how do you think Certainly. it's going to look? <laughs> I, I, I really don't know. Uh, I've got to say, I, I think there's still so much to go uh, in terms of these negotiations. I, I would be surprised if the edict wasn't issued that if you're not vaccinated, you're not playing, you're not coming. I, I, I still think that that has to be a logical step, but I'm not so sure that will happen. I, I do think that there'll be... You know, there is some prospect that players will be able to come and and do the hard quarantine, and because that will be from sort of early next month, mm. sorry, early in December, there is a window for players who, if they want to opt to do that route, to then have the full summer. I, I do think it's possible, but the thing, the other factor here, Brett, is as is pointed out by uh, you know a lot of players, if you're not vaccinated and you serve the strict quarantine. Yep. You're not going to have much of a good time anyway, no. because you know, are you allowed to stay in hotels? And what do you? Do? What if you're the driver, the tournament driver, for example? Yeah. Do you want to be taking someone that's not vaccinated? Mm. It's you know, I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of discussions, a lot of points. We've talked about the fans being vaccinated, having to be vaccinated, but there are tournament staff. You know, there's so many people that are potentially exposed. So, yep. yeah, I still think that edict will go through that if you're not vaccinated, you're not playing. But we'll wait and see. Absolutely. I'm going to welcome in John on the road, just so he doesn't hold too long. Uh, I thought, Johnny, you might call in tonight because your man, uh, and Walsh, you can have a view on this as well, Yannick Sinner, what a year he's had, uh, Johnny. Fifth uh, career title overall, four titles this year, the Italian Stallion. First guy since Stokovic to win four at the age of uh, under... Well, he's 20. Stokovic was 19, I think, but uh, he's got two... two uh, tournaments to go, yeah. But look, uh, VP, I just want to say one thing, mate. 
I don't think I've ever seen him, even when he won Washington, I don't even think I've ever seen him play as good as when he destroyed Harris, who's a great player, the other night in the semi. I watched all that. Yep. And then what he did to Schwartzman, after Schwartzman destroyed uh, Brooksby in the other semi, like six love in, in, in the second, he just like, because I think Schwartzman's just a roadrunner. He's like a wall. Gets everything back. But the way he destroyed him was just unbelievable. And I think he would have, I think he would have gone close to winning Indian Wells if he served, didn't leave him against Fritz. I, I just don't know what happened there, but mm. I think he broke Fritz and he was up 4-2 or something in the first set. And then he didn't get a first serving in eight games. And that virtually handed the, the match to Fritz. But, you know, I, I still think that, I, I, you might think I'm, uh, you know, flipping here, but if he can stay healthy and if he can get his serve consistent like he did in this tournament, I think he can be a future number one because I don't think many people hit the ball like him. Well, he, you know? he's destined for very good things. Good on you, John. I thought you might call in tonight. 42 and 18 for the year. Top seed, beat Schwartzman, wins the European Open. He, he's only going north where he lands, not quite sure, but... Uh, Walsh, that's one thing we we're going to touch on tonight is the the race to Turin, the race to Milan. Now, uh, Sinner, we know, uh, well, he can book a place to Milan, but he wants to probably be in Turin, and he's, what, 110 points behind uh, Hubie Hirkash um, in that sort of uh, last spot because we know Nadal is not going to play. Yeah, it's certainly, I mean, it was just a dominant performance and uh, probably couldn't put it any uh, better than what John did there. It was outstanding. And, and, and you know, the parallels with Djokovic, you know, five titles by the time you're 20. It's uh, it's really an impressive feat, and they've been decent titles as well. I think he's, uh, you know, where he ends up, whether he does get to number one, I think there'd be a few people that would argue the toss that uh, he's certainly heading in that direction. It's really spiced up that race. The last two weeks of the tour, I think, will be fascinating to see what unfolds and, and who ends up getting into Turin, you know, making the top eight um, it's it's fascinating. You've got you know Casper Ruud just outside yeah. uh, three thousand and fifteen points, as you said. Her catch on on twenty nine fifty five and one hundred and ten points behind Sinner. Cameron Norrie's very much in the equation. The mm. Indian Wells winner. He's he's only five points behind uh, Sinner in that race. And then you've also look and look. I'd say it's those four, you know, and, and what unfolds in terms of Vienna and then the Paris Masters uh, the week after will shape who that field. Or what the final makeup of that field is, but it's uh, it's just brilliant to see that the race is going right down to the end. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And uh, Milan, of course, uh, Jensen Bruschi, um, what a year he's had qualifying, and uh, Musetti, of course, coming from outside the top 100 this year, also qualifying. So a couple of spots still to be decided there. And I just wanted to close on uh, Ash Barty. Uh, well, she obviously the news in the last week that she's called into the season. No great surprise. Uh, we didn't expect that she was going to jump on a plane, head all the way to Mexico. Uh, this is a one-off situation, and the WTA surely would have to uh, understand this, having uh, been on the road for so many months, an Australian Open to prepare for, and, and that right now is the number one focus. Look, look, absolutely no surprise at all. I mean, I think we knew at the US Open that uh, it was exceptionally unlikely she'd be going to Indian Wells, and, and, and that would be the end of the season. You know, to, to even consider Mexico, she'd have to go now. I know Victorians in New South Wales are allowing international travellers back in and, you know, a, a test and you're out and about. But for Queenslanders, she'd have to come back through Sydney or Melbourne and then quarantine for two weeks in her home state. It just was never, never, ever going to happen. It's an amazing season. 
uh, you know, clearly for mine, the player of the year, the Wimbledon title, the you know the success in Miami and also in Cincinnati, uh, you know the big clay court title as well. I think um, you know quite remarkable. She's the first woman since uh, Serena Williams to finish world number one three years in succession. Um, joins Graf, uh Everett. And never run all over as women to do that. It's it's fairly heady company, isn't it? It's it's really remarkable. Yeah. And look, let's hope she can aim higher. She's got you know the Australian Open semi final two years ago, the quarter final this year. A good preparation, having played outstanding and then return to the tour. Mm. Yeah, you know, let's hope that things can go well when she gets to Melbourne next January. No doubt, she's been getting better each time. A quarter, a semi, and. We thought she was destined for the final the way she was in control last year. So, uh, yeah, fingers crossed she can be absolutely cherry ripe come uh, January next year. Walshie, great to have you on. We're reading you everywhere at the moment. You are covering some ground also for us at thefirstserve.com.au and we'll talk soon. Absolute pleasure and uh, look forward to the next week. Should be a great one. Courtney Walsh, you can learn more about better solar energy at B Solar. No more expensive electricity bills. Trusted, guaranteed savings, free yearly checkups. Talk with a B Solar advisor. Search for B Solar or visit b.solar to learn more. Check out our website, as I mentioned, thefirstserve.com.au, right across our social channels Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Plenty going on there right throughout the week. You'll get your daily tennis. Fix. Broad Dyke, your text calls up next. Welcome back to the first serve. Brett Phillips with you tonight. I always love talking the world of tennis with you. Uh, more of your calls this hour. 1300 736 736 on the text. I'm sick of Novak's behaviour, BP. You can't play with no jab. A lot of courts are disappearing like Brown Street in Heidelberg. Just wait for the Djokovic request to quarantine at a big house with a tennis court. Daryl from Ringwood. BP, if spectators have to be fully vaccinated to go to the Open, then it should be only right that the players and officials are fully vaccinated. Anything less is not right. Thank you, Michael. No vax, no play. If Novak is, if Novak is vaxxed, then he will play. I'm booing if he isn't. ATP Cup, question mark. It's happening. Sydney. Two venues, first week of January. Lock in the ATP Cup. It is happening. My feature guest tonight played professionally. A highest singles ranking of 35. A singles finalist twice. A high of 23 in doubles. Reaching the French Open semis, 1983. He was a three-time Australian Open doubles quarter finalist. Won eight career doubles titles overall. Davis Cup squad member for the winning Australian team back in 1986. How about some of his singles scalps? Boris Becker, Kevin Curran, Brad Gilbert, Miroslav Machia, Guy Forget, and some other world-class players. From playing to coaching here in Australia and in Europe, in China, tennis runs through the veins of Broad Dyke. And right now, he's in Adelaide. He's just stepped off the uh, clay courts at Memorial Drive, where he's been taking a state training squad tonight. Brad, it's uh, great to have you on the show. Brad, it's nice to be with you and your listeners. Yeah, I just came up the court, um, the clay courts here with a, um, a state training squad with uh, Standon Stolly. Give us a bit of a feel for just some of the talent over in uh, SA, Brad, that you're working with. Well, there's there's a there's a variety, but there's some some good kids. But um, it's very difficult at the moment with um, lack of tournaments around the place. So it's um, I mean harder for the kids in Melbourne and Sydney. I feel really sorry for for them, but um, just lack of tournaments and uh, they're they're a little bit raw. But there's some there's some good young kids, but as as you know, it's a long road. Just that coaching hat. Uh, we, we talked about, and you would have missed this at the start of the show, I, I speak to 
to many coaches and there are those who are inside sort of the TA fraternity, those on the outside who have never uh, stepped across to you know, work under the, the governing body. But what's, what's the number one mantra for you when you're, when you're coaching these, these young players with a, you know, a possible dream to one day you know, be a professional tennis player? What are, you, what are you trying to mainly achieve, Brod, in your coaching style? Well, I look for, uh, I guess, game development and then, um, I guess, doing doing sort of drills and technical things that hopefully they can progress to, I guess, to the next level and then um, trying to teach them a technique that holds up under pressure. And uh, because, you know, as you go up the levels, your game gets exploited more and more by the by the better players. So you want to have no weaknesses and... And also, I like to see the kids have a variety in their game, you know, that um, so they can, if, every, if everyone hits the same way, if you do something a little bit different, you, you might get a different result, and then hopefully that's a positive one, and you, and you do it again. So it's about progression, and um, and um, matches. Uh, kids need to play a lot of matches, because I think in Australia, sometimes we don't play enough matches. So, um, um, yeah, that that's sort of... I'm, I'm into, I guess, doing drills in, in a yep. game-like situation as well. So. I mean, a lot of people talk to me about the lack of competition play. How do we how do we fix that? Well, I think in in, in juniors, a lot of kids are a little bit um, scared of playing others in, in practice situations, even. Mm. You know, and I think a lot of a lot of coaches have a lot of squad training. You know, and um, and the kids get very reliant on having things organised for them. You know, like when um, I, I don't know when you were younger, but when 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 I was younger, a long time ago, we organised practice between friends or members of the club and played sets and and so forth. And I I I, I think there's just too 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 much squad training, to be honest. Not enough um, competitive play between. Players, you know, they're just scared of losing to someone, even if it's in practice, rather than yeah. trying to think, oh, well, this is a good, good way to improve. The reason I got you on tonight, I was going to probably uh, just uh, tap into your coaching mind, but you, you, it was brought to my attention about, what, three or four weeks ago now, one of South Australia's oldest sports clubs was on the verge of uh, possibly folding unless some people really stepped up, you know, volunteers, etc. and that's uh, Willunga Tennis Club, which dates back to... 1890, and they recruit uh, Dyke to come down and just uh, help reinvigorate the place. Can you tell me about that little project? Well, it's um, I was living in, in Austria for about eight years, doing working in an academy there, and I came back home. I was looking for somewhere to do um, a little bit of um, coaching, and I sort of lived near that area, which is near McLaren Vale, was sort of a wine, beautiful wine area of... Um, of um, Adelaide, or one of the beautiful wine areas, and um, and so uh, Wollonga liked to or needed someone to to uh, help out a little bit. And so I do a few um, tennis lessons and team training on on Wednesday and Thursdays. But um, it's I guess it's 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 about forty three kilometres out of Adelaide, and like all all clubs and uh, the. Country clubs are a little bit. Um, it's a little bit tough because also they're seasonal clubs. They have netball and tennis, mm. and um, 
So it's not like you've got a full-on tennis club there um, 12 months of the year, you know. So, um, and it's, uh, I mean, through the article, which was in um, the Wine Coast Whippet, which is a, a new, I guess, community newspaper that was um, founded by Richard Evans that sort of yep. services the, the south of Adelaide, which mm. is a great thing he's done, you know. Um, and... Um, uh, I, I guess there's been a, a little, little, little bit of a surge in people sort of join, joining the club and um, volunteering, you know, for, you know, secretary and president and all these sort of um, necessary things, you know, to keep the, I guess, the lifeblood of the club. And um, but we'd still like to have a few more members to uh, keep it buoyant. So I was just seeing a couple of pictures. It looks like a, it's a pretty decent setup there, isn't it? Yes, yeah, it, 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 it's, um, there's, well, there's, you know, four courts, so it's not, not, not a, um, a giant centre, but um, four courts is a nice, nice, nice area, beautiful community, um, sort of, um, yeah, it's, 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 you know, maybe a little breezy at times, but nice, a very nice area, so, and there's a, um, I guess, like all community areas, there's football oval around and nipples, and it's part of a, I guess uh, the community centre for 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 the area. Well, it's great to see that you 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 know putting something uh, back to a club with such uh, historical uh, roots. You know, going all the way back to uh, 1890 it was a great read that was uh, passed on to me. So I hope that uh, is, is certainly successful. I just got one through. We have a, a text uh, service that comes through here, Brody. You never know who's listening to the radio, and I don't know who this person is, but they've said, "Can you ask Brod about the Italians?" Whistling the Pink Panther tune at him, please. <laughs> I, I, um, that's a, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know who sent that one in, but um, I don't know about the Italians, but they did sort of in in France for some reason. The way I moved in the court wasn't very graceful. But they called me like the Pink Panther, you know. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so I, I don't I don't think it was very flattering. I mentioned a, a, few, a few of the players that you uh, beat when you play. What, what's the most memorable of those names I mentioned? Well, obviously, probably the, the name that jumps off the page is is Boris. Yeah, well, I guess you know Boris is Wimbledon champion at the time, even though he's quite young. So um, to you know, when you're sort of a bit of a little bit of a journeyman at the st- and you're trying to find your way, and even though he's younger, you know, it's, it's just nice when things click, you know. So that was um, that that was in a tournament in uh, Belgium, in Brussels, and I sort of had a good week there, you know, beat Pourget and Mathieu and um, and Becker, and then lost to Willander in the final. So you know, it was a fairly strong tournament. So. Um, so that was um, a memorable week and, yeah, a nice nice scalp. It was. Uh, we uh, we, have, we used to have the Becker Files on this show. I think we need to bring them back. Uh, he's had a, a colourful life, uh, to be fair to say. Uh, Boris, it's uh, uh, still very much uh, that way. Brod, great to just chew the fat with you. We'd love to do it longer. We're uh, pressing for time here in our little show on a Monday night. But great to see you doing some great work at the coalface still of tennis, coaching and trying to inspire the next generation to uh, to take up the great sport that has been part of your life for uh, forever. So really appreciate the chat tonight. Well, thank you very much, and thanks for supporting tennis. Uh, we, it, it's great that job is that you do. Good on you, Brod. Brod Dyke, who needs no introduction to the uh, tennis fraternity, who certainly know his name. Just before the break, uh, Harry is in Belmore, I believe, up in New South Wales, Harry. 
Yeah, that's me. Good on you, mate. Welcome. What do you got for us? Well, uh, I represented Sydney Bankstown from 1950 to 1960. Played uh, Tremlett. I was the number one Tremlett Cup player in 1956. Then I played Blackwell Cup. But owing to it, we all worked. And uh, from 1960 to 1970, Sydney Bankstown lost 60 courts around. Right. We, yeah, they are all home units. Down in Hill Street, Campsy, every house had a horse, had a uh, court. I, I was unbeaten for six years in Den Sunday morning. Good on you, Harry. And, uh, uh, Martin Mulligan, he was there. Fred Stolle, I yep. played Fred yep. in his last year of Blackwell Cup before he went overseas. His mates raised the money to get out there. We had no money, but uh, Bob Mitchell came up to Sydney and took Martin Mulligan and Margaret Smith back to Melbourne with him and sponsored them. Good on you, Harry. Really appreciate the call. In fact, Harry, I want you to keep calling back. And you might have your own segment, the uh, Tennis Historical Files, for us to go back in time and just mention names that we maybe have forgotten about. Harry, thank you for your call. Really appreciate it. Uh, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. You can go shopping at Tennis Direct tonight, Australia's favourite online tennis store. Tennisdirect.com.au. Use that promo code FIRSTSERVE10. You'll get 10% off. Better solar, better batteries, better energy. With V-Solar, you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a V-Solar advisor. Visit V.Solar to learn more. GLG Greenlight Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back. one 736 on the Tennis Direct uh, text. Uh, clash into Platinum, Wilson, Australia, uh, giving away one Clash 100 Special Edition tennis racket frame to the value of $349.95. You can sign up now to be in the running to win this racket. You just need to enter online by providing your first name, last name and also your email address. Uh, those details are all on our website, on our homepage. Just scan down to the bottom of there. It is quite simple. Uh, just enter those details. First name, last name, email address. Uh, also, you can check it out via our uh, social channels as well. You could be certainly a lucky winner. Uh, to a wrap, uh, thanks to Yonex, celebrating 75 years performance product crafted in Japan. Check out their latest range at yonex.com. Aslan Karatsev, the Russian, winning the Kremlin Cup, the ATP 250 in Moscow over the weekend. What a year he's had, 114 in the world to world number 19. It started right here in Melbourne at the Australian Open with that dream semi-final run from uh, qualifying. Won the 500 in Dubai, runner-up 250 in Belgrade, third-round US Open. He's beaten Schwartzman twice this year, Auger, Aliasim, Dimitrov, Sinner, Rublev, Djokovic, Medvedev, Shapovalov and Herkash. So he's beaten some very good players. John Millman, uh, we mentioned earlier, uh, losing that tight quarterfinal to Karin Hutchinov. But uh, Aslan Karatsev wins the Kremlin Cup. Uh, we mentioned uh, Yannick Sinner with Johnny, uh, who called us earlier. He's number one fan, the young Italian. 
Six foot two and growing, 42 and 18. Four titles he's won this year. He's up to 11 in the world. He's still in the frame to maybe make the last eight for the ATP finals, which is going to be in Turin in the north of Italy for the very first time this year. Very good win for Sinner, two and two over Diego Schwartzman. Uh, just a couple on the challenger circuit. Gerald Meltzer, who uh, has been using a protected ranking... What a recovery since May. He's gone from 1,129 to 297. So he's had an incredible run. Got to 68 in the world back in 2016. A uh, young man from Argentina who's not far off uh, the best eight to be in Milan for the next-gen finals. Sebastian Bay is the seventh seed. He's won five challenges this year. And he's jumped up 200 spots in the ranking. So one to look at for the 20-year-old from Argentina. Carlos Tabernar from Spain. Didn't have to actually play the final uh, in Croatia, the ATP challenger over the weekend. His opponent, Marco Cicinato, had to uh, pull out injured of that uh, final, the top C, but he's gone up, what, 143 to 93 this year. On the women's side, it's been a dream little period for Annette Condivate of Estonia. Uh, up to 14 in the world. Great comeback in her match at the Kremlin Cup on the women's side. She was taking on, of course, uh, Ekaterina Alexandrova. 4-6, love four down. And she staged an incredible recovery. Fifth final for the year. Her third title. She's uh, 40 and 15, but she's won 21 of her last 23 matches. So it's uh, a damn good effort. We know Ash Barty's won five titles this year, but Condivate now ties with Krachikova uh, with three titles apiece. Anne Lee, the young American, uh, won the uh, Tenerife Ladies Open. What a beautiful setting. I was watching a bit of that. Hard to stay focused on the tennis with the uh, surrounds there. First title for the young American, who's gone up, what, 112 to 48 this year. Uh, so she's had an exceptional year. Alan Perrys was actually supposed to have last week off after playing a lot of uh, ITF singles matches in the last month. And then she ended up playing the doubles in Tenerife and won it. Uh, second title at 250 level uh, this year. Fourth title on the WTA Tour at that level overall. And I need to mention a young Queenslander, Marani Basige, who actually won in Monastir in Tunisia on the weekend, the ITF 15K. So Marani, 22 years of age. There'll be a lot of people who uh, certainly know about this young man. In fact, Jed Zetzer has done a terrific write-up on our website only a couple of hours ago, if you want to read a bit of the backstory, uh, thefirstserve.com.au, check it out. Uh, we spoke to him uh, last night after he'd uh, won the title. So he hasn't played really the last two years. Played the UTRs. There was a report certainly back in 2018 that he was being actually, actually backed by a small group of investors who were uh, footing the bill for all his uh, travel and... Uh, accommodation, everything, just to get him started. And the agreement, obviously, was, was to then provide a, a return on investment uh, through price money. But COVID, obviously, prevented him from travelling, stayed in Australia, played the UTRs, where there was some decent prize money and not a lot of expenditure. In the space of two weeks, he's won 11 of 12 matches on the tour. He's going to stay in Tunisia for the next five to six weeks. And his uh, ranking has gone from, what, 1923, so right at the bottom end, having to build that ranking from scratch, back inside the top 1,000 to 978. And we often mention uh, Lee Too, uh, who's obviously stepped up to play the 25K events the last two weeks. So a quarter and a semi on the back of his uh, three 15K ITF titles. He's up to, I think, just outside the top 600 at the moment. For a guy that had no ranking, he's uh, 
He's certainly building it uh, back up. There is uh, no doubt about that. So plenty going on on the tour uh, this week and uh, more tennis to come, of course, uh, with many of the Australians uh, still in Europe. All thanks to Melbourne's leading synthetic grass court surface and construction specialist, Asti Tennis Courts, trusted by Melbourne tennis clubs and councils. You can check out aste.com.au. The first serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back to the first serve as we round up another uh, Monday night. I can't find uh, where I can win a Wilson racket on the text. Well, I'm looking at our website right here, thefirstserve.com.au. Scan right down to the bottom of the homepage. All the details are there. If you follow us on social media, Facebook and Twitter, have I got that the right way? Yep, they're both pinned at the top, the uh, Wilson ad. You'll see it on our Instagram account as well. So... It's uh, right there. Any troubles, let us know. The first serve, sen at gmail.com. Also, if you want to send us some longer-form correspondence uh, during the week, uh, I need to mention Tennis Marketer, great partners of ours. They're dedicated to helping tennis businesses grow around the world online. You can get your website and social media pages professionally set up for you by experts who certainly know their tennis. So I recommend you check out tennismarketer.com during the week. What's coming up this week? Uh, Vienna, ATP 500, Alexi Poprin qualifying overnight. You'll take on Matteo Barattini coming up a little bit later, the third seed. So a tough one for Poprin. Alex Dimonor to take on uh, Kevin Anderson, the former world number five who's got through qualies. Uh, John Pearce, who we had on the show last week, uh, back to London, as he mentioned, after winning Indian Wells. And now he's jetting off to uh, Vienna with uh, Philippe Palaszczuk as the third seed in the doubles of uh, that 500 event. Uh, St Petersburg, uh, Peter Johnson, of course, doing a magnificent job as uh, tournament director over there. Uh, John Millman and James Duckworth will be in the field for the ATP 250. Mark Polman's unfortunately uh, bowed out in qualifying. And Isla Tomjanovic is going to play in Romania, the WTA 250 this week. She's got Anastasia Potapova, the young uh, Russian, in the opening round. So Isla continuing to play. She's going to be uh, fronting up, of course, our Billie Jean King uh, Fed Cup team in the absence of uh, Ash Barty. And there was a comment about Ash here. Barty is a beautiful human being, has time for everyone. That is very true. We Victorians have suffered. We have to be jabbed, so should Novak. It's essential work. Plenty coming through. Can Ash deliver? at the Australian Open. I'm backing B-Dog. Well, all we, can, all we can hope is that she has the best preparation. And, I mean, I have nightmares thinking about that semi-final this year against Mukova uh, when she was in magnificent control. So if she has the ideal prep, she's as good as anyone. But women's tennis, the hardest thing on the planet to try and predict. Tennis Direct, go and shop there. They've got everything you need. They'll deliver it to your front door, wherever you are around Australia. TennisDirect.com.au. $150 uh, if you order over $150. Free delivery. Great prices. Use the promo code. You'll get a nice discount. First serve, one zero. Stay tuned. What is going to happen with the Australian Open? The summer of tennis. Every day is a new day. You can check us out at thefirstserve.com.au. Follow us on our socials. Plenty going on. And if you're having a hit this week, hit them beautifully. 
Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.